This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Praise God. Um, Nathan said something um, during the first song to us all. He exhorted us and he said, God is always true and he is always faithful. And, and, and Nathan said that he will be consistent with that because that's his nature. He will only ever act that way. And we can rely upon that. And you know, David the psalmist cries out in Psalm 86 verse 11. He says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. See, the issue is never with God's faithfulness. Is he faithful? Yes, always. Is he true? Yes, always. But if we are to rely upon that, the psalmist cry is, teach me your way, Lord. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Kerry, when he was with us late last year, he said there was a, a new way of thinking and a new way of working for us. And um, I think he quoted this proverb when he was here. I've certainly heard him quote it many times. I think it's one of his favourite. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way we think informs our nature. And the psalmist cries, give me an undivided heart, Lord, that I may fear your name. Romans 12, 1 to 2, contains both an instruction for us and a promise. It says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the new way of thinking. There's the instruction, and here's the promise. Then you will be able... To test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. The instruction comes with a promise. Then you will be able. The ability to say, this is God's will, this is what we should do, is born out of a renewed mind. The renewed way of thinking for us. And there's an immediacy to the instruction. No longer. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We could say, what's the pattern of this world? In 1 John 2, it says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what man has and does is not of the Father, but is of the world. Conform no longer, any longer to that. Our mind is renewed by prayer. We heard Matthew last week and he said praying in the spirit. One of the things that praying in the Holy Spirit does is because he intercedes according to God's will. It means we pray the will of God. That's how our mind gets renewed. But it also happens through his word. That's right. He wants us to think. The new way of thinking is effectively he wants us to think like he does. In accordance with what he's like. He is always true. He's always faithful. Yes. Okay. So how am I going to think today in light of that? Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, as the, high, as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think, if you think about how high the heavens are above the earth, I think in a way that is higher than that compared to you. And if we read that in isolation, we might think renewing of the mind is a, is a fruitless task. I mean, there's just no way <laughs> that I'm going to think like God thinks. <clears throat> But that's not true. Paul picks this idea up in 1 Corinthians when writing to the church, that's you and I, and he he quotes from elsewhere in Isaiah and he says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has instructed him as his counsellor? But we have, we have the mind of Christ. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love him, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. So the thoughts which are incomparably higher than ours, the way that God thinks, is available to us in Christ. How does that happen? By what process does our thinking align with God's? As I said, Matthew said last week, praying in the Holy Spirit is one of them. But, but the word also, the word is a way that he brings his transformation to us. When Kerry says, you know, it's time for a new way of thinking, the first place we'll go is here. Hebrews, Hebrews said, says of this itself, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges. The word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Oh, give me an undivided heart, Lord, that I may rely upon your faithfulness, that I may fear your name. When we cry that, he'll point us here. (laughs) This has been spoken out of the abundance of God's heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, God said something. This is the abundance of his heart. So where this reveals... A disconnect between the way we're thinking about anything and what this says, then that's the Holy Spirit's invitation to us. That's the Holy Spirit pulling us. That's him, that's him saying, this is this new way of thinking. I want you to get this. <laughs> Give me an undivided heart, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. He is always true. He is always faithful. Do we always think he is? <laughs> What I felt the Holy Spirit say to me following what Kerry said about this new way of thinking is it just summed up in this, these two words. One source. When Matthew preached a few weeks ago, he touched upon the scripture in 2 Corinthians 9.8, which says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all sufficiency... You will abound. You will abound in every good work. And Matthew explained that literally that all sufficiency means not needing any other source. One source. And this is the way God wants us thinking. He wants us thinking this way because it's reflective of his own nature. The Apostle Paul asks the church a question elsewhere in 1 Corinthians and he's addressing... The believers saying, well, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Paul. They're getting quite, you know, favouritist about certain apostles they're aware of. And he asked this simple question. Is Christ divided? 
Is Christ divided? There's no water in that. (laughs) Is Christ divided in his nature? And you know what? He doesn't answer the question. And the reason is, like like, um, uh, Nathan, you were saying earlier, rather than say a rhetorical question, because it was rhetorical. It's obvious. Of course he's not divided. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, because that's what you're like. Later in that same book, Paul, when teaching about spiritual gifts given to the church, says, God has combined the members of the church and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there should be... Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. So that there should be no division within the church. There should be no division within the church because there's no division within his kingdom, because there's no division within himself. It's his nature. <clears throat> there was an occasion in the Gospels where Jesus was accused of this very thing. In fact, it would help us to turn there. If we turn to Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 to 28. <clears throat> it's... Um, says this then they brought him a demon possessed man who was blind and mute and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see all the people were astonished and said could this be the son of David but when the Pharisees heard this they said it is only by Beelzebub the prince of demons that this fellow drives out demons Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household, and that breaks it down to our everyday, every city or household divided against itself will be ruined. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus drove out demons by the Spirit of God. There is no division within himself. It's not in his nature or the nature of his kingdom to be divided against self. And we all know the benefit of that being what God is like. He doesn't wake up one day saying... Do you know what? I'm going to extend my kingdom today and the next, I'm not too bothered about doing that anymore. He doesn't wake up one day for us and the next, I'm not too concerned about my people anymore. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Catherine brought that out this morning. It's his nature. God says you may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but even that shadow shifts. You abide under one, Catherine. You abide under one that doesn't shift. Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. There are certain things God cannot do. We like to say God can do anything. We know it's possible for him to do anything, but there are certain things, perhaps it's better to say, God will not do. 
and he will not be other than what he's like. He is always true. He is always faithful. And he says to you, you don't need any other source. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm in two minds. I'm in two minds about that. I'm in two minds about whether I should do this or do that. I'm in two minds about whether I should stay or go. You go to a restaurant, if there are 12 options on the menu, you may be in 12 minds. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a steak, fish. <laughs> but, you know, and the dictionary definition of that phrase actually means um, to, unable to decide about something. But the promise of scripture is when you renew your mind, you will be able. You will have the ability to test and approve what God's will is. So if we're going to live not needing any other source than the Holy Spirit, we've got to be able to identify where is the potential for us to live from a different source? Where is the potential for division to enter in to our own way of thinking? As Jesus says, you know, my sheep know my voice. They will not follow a stranger's voice. That means they're able to say, that's a stranger. I'm not going to think that way. And the scriptures help us with this. And I just want to briefly unpack, I'm not going to spend long, four ways he wants us to live undivided, allowing no, allowing no other source. <clears throat> the first is believing him without doubting him. Yes. Blessing him without speaking ill of others. And by the way, this is not because I think this is something we do. It's just, it's just helpful for us to think this is the way God is. This is the way God wants us to be. Living to please him, not living for our pleasures. Hearing him and then doing what he says. Amen. So those four ways, believing him without doubting him. In James chapter one, verse five, if you wish to turn there, that'd be, uh, that'd be good. <clears throat> so we can all read it together. believing him without doubting him. James chapter one, verse five says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But, But when he asks, he must believe And not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. What the scripture is saying there is that I cannot both believe God when I ask of him and doubt him at the same time. A house divided cannot stand. Give us an undivided heart, Lord, that we may rely on your faithfulness. Teach us your ways that we may fear your name. It's not possible. If I'm convinced that he is always good, if I'm convinced that he is always faithful, if I'm convinced that God and his character will remain the same yesterday, today, tomorrow and forever, for me to come to him asking him something and think he's not going to do it. The scripture says, whoever comes to him must believe that he is And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To come to him, doubting, is to come double-minded. This is the new way of thinking 
for us. That does not mean we can't experience doubt or we're condemned if we do. Later in this same book, in James, James has an instruction for the doubting. So even in our doubts, the grace of God is toward us. But the instruction is, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lord, give us an undivided heart. Hence the psalmist cry, that we may rely upon your faithfulness. Lord, you're always good. Lord, you're always faithful. Lord, you're always true. You're looking to save people into your kingdom. You're looking to heal the sick wherever I go. Now, Lord, let me think accordingly. You're ready to act. (laughs) I want to be ready to act. We sang a song a couple of weeks back. It had a lyric in it said, All my doubts and fears, they can come too, but they can't stay long. That lyric recognizes the absolute necessity to be honest with God. So I don't want to be misconstrued here. There's no point in pretense. It before him if actually what we are is doubting and scared. He's not, <laughs> he's not having a go or pointing a stick with that. You know, honesty is absolutely vital. I went to the hairdressers yesterday. Um, as some of you may be able to tell, and I just said, look, give me your honest opinion. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm, it might be time for me to shave my head. <laughs> and they said, well, actually, if we do this one, then, uh, you know, you can probably just about wear it without it being completely visible that you're balding. And you're my friend, so you'll tell me if they were not telling me the truth, okay? But the absolute necessity, to be honest, basically is what I'm saying. (laughs) Because he can see right through us. (laughs) So I'm not saying you can't doubt, or you should go to God if you're experiencing doubt and fear and trying to hide that from him. That's not what James is saying. He is is able to sympathise with our weaknesses. But what, what what that song is saying and what God is saying is, I can't remain that way. I can't remain that way in your presence. Because when I'm in your presence, I behold you and what you're like. And I'm changed. And what you're like is, is Christ divided? No, he's not. (laughs) To both believe him and doubt him at the same time can't be sustained. I'm not saying that we hugely doubt him, but I'm saying that there may be things that God has spoken to you or there may be things that God wants you to do or through this season of prayer, there may be things that God is putting on your heart and saying, this is what I want you to do now. And immediately may spring up, can I do that? Am I sure? If God has said it, you can believe him. Imagine living for a second, and some of you may, but completely doubt free. (laughs) When you start to unpack that, what are the permutations of that? In one of the recent prayer meetings, Paul Sheffield said, you know, about God's strategy for us in evangelism. You know what? Very simply, we, hold, we, we, have, we hold the gospel and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If we actually believe that, and I know we do, but if we actually believe that all the time, then we wouldn't be, if you like, waiting for somebody to say, right, this is the event we're going to put on. I'm not against events. If the Holy Spirit inspires us to put on events, we will do so. But the power is not in the event. The power is resident in you. The power is resident in us. The Holy Spirit has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. He says, do you believe it? Don't doubt it. I'm ready every single day to use you wherever you are. The issue is not (laughs) the power in that thing. The issue is how we're using the power that he's closed us with. You know, our, I think 
That um, way of thinking and that way of living is, is basically being childlike in faith, isn't it? Childlike in faith. And you know what? Our children can really help us with this. And this is something that's also been coming through in the prayer meetings about the Holy Spirit wanting to use our children and make us increasingly childlike. <clears throat> but an example of this to me with our own children um, was just before Christmas, we went to a Hoburn holiday camp in the Cotswolds uh, just for a little quick pre-Christmas getaway. And um, on the site, there's this massive lake. And we all decided as a family to take a walk one day around this lake. Um, but the area surrounding the lake was severely waterlogged. And um, we, get to, we all get to this one lodge where basically if we're to carry on around the lake, we've got to go past this and there's this massive waterlogged area. And I'm the one saying, forget it, can't do that. Let's turn back. You know, there's just no way of getting through that. But Isabel basically found a little nook and a cranny and a path and she bounded across and we all as a family followed her and we could carry on with the walk. And um, a little bit later on toward the, the, the end of where you just about done the whole circumference of the lake, there was a waterlogged sports area which obviously wasn't being used nobody else was out there (laughs) and this sign right next to the this sports area saying water is life and I watched my children just get in there clothes on bound across get wet completely soaking and what struck me was my reticence to do that and we know that water in the scriptures is a picture of the Holy Spirit and I just felt the Holy Spirit lie to me and say the issue is never my supply The issue is never, am I with you? He's always with us. He's with us in the storm. The issue is your response and approach. Not that you have an issue with it, but that that will only ever be the, if there is an issue, it's not with God. It's our response and approach to him. Childlike expectation that he's going to move. We were in Ikea recently. This is another story. This is Charlie teaching me. We were in Ikea recently and um, we'd had breakfast and basically, we'd already paid for our drinks, so that's it. We were done, sort of, you know. Um, but the, the, the kids wanted a drink of water, so I took them up to the taps. And Charlie said, I'll have that one. It was like the fizzy Coke. And I said, well, actually, you know, we've already paid for that, so we can have this, like, free water. But his expectation was, if I ask anything of my father, <laughs> he will do it, which I'm slightly convicted about now. I've used that as an analogy. <laughs> no, here's the water, sir. <laughs> but the point is, but the point is, believing him and not doubting, Complete childlike expectation and dependency. New way of thinking for us. It may not be new, but a renewed way of thinking for us. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Chris Hammer Hodges, um, at a prayer meeting that he led recently, was talking elsewhere from the book of James about where it says, you know, you come to God, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. And, and Chris himself shared, I hope you don't mind me sharing, mate, saying like, you know, there was a check in his spirit about we don't need to come to twist God's arm. <laughs> we're only coming asking for things when we're praying led by the Holy Spirit. We're going to be asking for things that are in his heart to do already. And we therefore can come with complete expectation Amen. and dependency that he will do what he said he will do. New way of thinking for us, believing without doubting. <clears throat> the second one blessing him without speaking ill of others so the first one I guess is faith the second one is I guess in our speech which probably comes from there obviously but um, James chapter 3 verses 9 to 12 if we just want to turn there 
I'm in James quite a bit this morning. (laughs) James chapter 3, verses 9 to 12 says this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's asking the same question that Paul asked about Jesus in Corinthians. Is Christ divided? Can he do that? Is that, his, is, is that in his nature? Can both praises come from the same mouth? And then, you know, speaking ill of somebody else or somebody we know. No, the Holy Spirit will not cause that to happen. A good health check, I think, certainly personally for me is, if, before I say anything about anybody, would I be comfortable saying this to that person if they were in the room right now? And if not, it probably shouldn't come out. That's not the Holy Spirit. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, so I'll speak undividedly. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'm not, if anything, if, if, if the Holy Spirit alights something to you about someone, particularly a brother or a sister, we're our brothers and sisters keepers. That's what, it, you know, that, that, that's what it's about. It's, a, it's the family of God. If he alights something to us about something in somebody's life or, 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 or character or something they may be struggling with, he may want you to go and help them with, help them with that. But that's not a license to go around pointing a finger and telling everything what is wrong with them. But the love of Christ compels us, if we're looking after one another, sometimes to bring those things up. And the proverb says, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And the wise will both say yes <laughs> and receive it. Because they want it. They want it you know, people want to hear that stuff. We say, yes, Lord, if you've got something for me, if you've got an instruction for me that can, that can conform my character more to be more like Jesus, if you've got something for me, yes, please, I'll have it. <laughs> um, I'm going to use Chris again uh, now. He, he posted on Facebook uh, a few days ago. He said, let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And his comment was, an honest no is a greater expression of covenant than an empty amen. What's the point in the context of what I've been saying? It's not yes and no in the same breath. That's divided. It's not spring water and salt water from the same place. It's not doubt and faith in the same heart. It's not needing any other source, the Holy Spirit and being led by him at all times. Give us an undivided heart, Lord, that we may rely on your faithfulness. If we're saying yes to God about getting out there, about a greater shout to come in the streets, about being used by him increasingly to share the gospel and lay our hands on the sick and see them recover, then he takes us seriously at our yes because when he says yes, he means it. He only ever says what he means and means what he says. third one living to please him and not living for ourselves we're still in James (laughs) he's got a lot to say about this stuff James chapter 4 verses 1 to 4 I think this is really uh, quite a uh, pithy diagnosis really (laughs) 
<laughs> this is what he says. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Do you know, I'm sure there's probably many families throughout the world that are in conflict and possibly to such an extent that Sometimes professional help is required. But here's what James, this is how simply James puts it. Quarrels and fights, conflict is coming from desires that battle within yourself. If you're led by every desire you have, you're going to have conflict. A house divided against itself cannot stand, but we are not to be led by our desires. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit who will always lead us to lay our lives down because it's the example of Christ. He laid his life down for the whole world on the cross. It's the greatest example we have. We may have desires, even legitimate ones, but to live not needing any other source means the fulfillment of my desire is not a condition for my response to God. It is a consequence of my response to God. Fulfillment of my own desire is not a condition. It's not something I say, once this happens, then God, I'll give you my all. (laughs) It's not a condition of my response. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) It's not a condition for my response to God. It's a consequence of my response to him. And that came out last week as well, that when we're praying in the Holy Spirit... He is shaping our minds. He's renewing our minds according to the will of God. We're praying in accordance with his will. Matthew even threw a challenge out to us last week. Why don't you just ask for a Porsche and see what happens? <laughs> Probably not going to happen because actually that's not actually what's on his heart. He's already set in his mind and heart what he wants to and is going to do. And he invites us to partner with that. <laughs> Give us an undivided heart, Lord, that we may rely upon your faithfulness. When we are led by the Spirit, His desires become our desires. If we are led by our own desire, that will lead us into conflict. But he is making us to people who are prepared to prefer each other over and above ourselves. Might just read this, just read this because the scriptures put it better than anyone else could ever. But I might just read this to us from Galatians 5. The renewed way of thinking, renewed way of working. It's all in his word. Galatians 5, verses 16 to 24 say this. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. It is not possible to do both. (laughs) That is to be in conflict with ourselves. That is a house divided. They desire what is contrary to each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, that's division, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit, the life the Holy Spirit produces, who lives in you and lives in me, produces this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's us, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The renewed way of thinking, the renewed way of working is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Give us an undivided heart, Lord, that we may fear your name and rely on your faithfulness. It cannot be both flesh and spirit. It cannot be both doubt and believing. It cannot be both praising you and speaking ill of others. It can't be both. It's one source, not needing any other source, Holy Spirit. And we want you to be coming through all the time in everything we're thinking and doing and saying. Amen? Amen. Hearing him and then doing what he says. It's the last one. Hearing him and doing what he says. Matthew, if we turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 27. It's the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And Jesus says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is reminiscent of the scripture we started with. In two places, Jesus talks about a falling house. He says in the first scripture where he cast the demons out by the Spirit of God, a house divided cannot stand. And here it says... If you are hearing what I'm saying but not doing it, your house won't stand. It is to be divided against self to hear what he says and not do it. And that's in James, isn't it? You know, we cannot cannot just be hearers of the word. We must be doers as well. In this time, in our midst, where the Holy Spirit is putting things in our hearts and prompting us and saying, right, I want you to go and speak to that person. I want you to lay your hands on this sick. I want you to share the gospel. God, give us boldness to do it because it may feel uncomfortable. That came out last week, but we've got to do it. We've got to do it, Lord, because if we don't, we're a house divided and a house divided can't stand. I can't both hear what you say and then not do it. Amen. I um, just to put this out there, I know I've shared this with a a few folk. uh, 
on a more one-to-one basis, but the Holy Spirit is prompting me every single time I see somebody with crutches to go and lay my hands on them. I've done it a few times. I've not done it every time. That's my honesty to you, and I'm making myself accountable in that. But God, I, I, I don't want to. The new way of thinking, the new way of working, I don't want to live how I've lived. This whole new way of thinking and working is, Lord, if you say something, I've got to do it. <laughs> I've got to. The love of Christ compels me. Your Holy Spirit in me is telling me to do something. I've got to do it. And we can pray for one another in that. We're not doing it in isolation. But that for me, you know, that, that's something for me that he's put his finger on and said, Lord, you know what? This whole new way of thinking, I don't want to be uh, where, where I have done, where I've seen what it is you want me to do or where I've heard you prompt me. I don't want to be, less and less, I want to be a person who walks away thinking, man, I didn't do it that time. I, sh- I should have done it. I don't, wa- I don't want that anymore. <laughs> There's a greater shout to come in the streets. So we've got to open our mouths and we've got to do it. <laughs> the song we sang the other week, I think uh, Matthew pulled out the lyric about Jesus breaking every chain and it was, it was during a contribution. It wasn't actually the preached word, but Matthew said, maybe the chains he's talking about there are those that have traditionally held us back from opening our mouths to share the gospel or lay our hands on the sick when we know we, we need to. And, that's what, and the Holy Spirit wants to bring that for us. He wants to do that. <clears throat> Give us an undivided heart, Lord, that we may rely on your faithfulness and fear your name. A new way of thinking for us has got to be that we're a people who both hear what you say and then do it. It's to be divided otherwise. God, renew our minds that you are our one source and no other. And what that means for us is when you speak, we believe you and we don't doubt. We praise you with our mouths and we're not using it to badmouth anybody. We're led by your spirit, not our own desires. And then our desires conform to what you want. We hear what you say and we do it. Lord, let let us be such a people. Let us be such a people, Lord Jesus. That your name would be exalted, that your name would be lifted high, that you would draw all men to yourself, that you may be seen for who you are, the most awesome, beautiful, amazing person in all of creation because you made it all happen anyway. Lord, let us be such a people. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.